a city prepared by the king. I couldn't help but think while they were singing that song, thinking about that lion laying down with that lamb. <laughs> that don't happen here, friend. I can tell you that right now. Amen? That lion would be eating that lamb. But in that city, amen, that lion no longer needs that lamb because the only thing that lion or that lamb needs is Jesus and he'll be there. Amen. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord, man. God is good, isn't he? Uh, I want to say this to you. I, I think I'm on. Yes, I'm on. Um, I've had an awesome week with the young people again uh, this year. It's been, it's been a joy and a blessing to be able to do that over the last... Oh no, four years I believe it is. Um, it's been really, really good to watch them grow. And it's really kind of cool for me because some of the kids who are now teens watching over other kids were kids when I first started coming and uh, preaching at the camp. So that, that's been pretty cool. God's, God's blessed and He's moved and, and, uh, and I thank the Lord for that. And I thank the Lord for the growth that I see in, in some of you as we come back and, and visit every single year. Um, it's been good. It's been good. I'm going to ask if you got a copy of God's Word to take it out and turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. I cannot wait for that city that God has created for us. I am ready to see Jesus. If He comes today, that will be fine by me. Yes, my heart would be grieved that some people that I know are not saved, but at the same time, I would get to be with my Savior, and there's nothing more important than that. Amen? But in the meantime, Christ has not come at this moment. And Christ has not called us up at this moment. And so we must stay here, amen, until Jesus comes to get, uh, get us and calls this thing over. So until Jesus comes to get us and calls this thing over, you and I should be living our lives like we mean it, amen. We should live our lives like we truly love Jesus Christ and we really mean what we say. So from this passage of Scripture, I want to read it for you. And then I'm going to go through a bunch of passages of Scripture, but I want to speak to you about living your life like you mean it, alright? Acts chapter 17, I'm going to ask you to stand and honor the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse number 1, I'll read through verse number 6. You just follow me as I read there. It says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And then Paul, as his custom was... Now listen, I want you to notice that. Paul, as his custom was, he went into them, and for three Sabbaths he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. In other words, he, he began to explain, he's, he began to exegete the Scripture. He began to break it down and say, this is what Scripture is talking about. And they began to dialogue with each other about what Scripture is talking about, alright? Then he says, yes, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ, Jesus, had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying that Jesus whom I preach to you, he is the Christ. He is the Christ. Not a Christ, but he is the Christ. He's the only one. All right. It says, and some of them were persuaded. And a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. So some people were saved. Some people by that reasoning that Paul did in the synagogue and as he went from place to place, some people believed that Jesus was the Christ. They repented of their sins and they began to follow Jesus, right? Now I'm praying that that will happen today in somebody's life. But I just know this, that when we preach many times, people choose to believe. Now listen to what it goes on to say. 
It says this, And some of them persuaded a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. They joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews, who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathered a mob, and set all the city in an uproar, and they attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. So, what, what you see in this passage is when preaching happens, some people believe and are persuaded, some people are not believers and they are not persuaded. And in this situation, not only are they not persuaded, but they get violent. They get violent. They begin to want to shut them up. And so they go to this guy's house by the name of Jason, who is a friend of Paul's, and they begin to drag them out. Now listen to what they say right here. This is key. This is important. It says, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for loving us enough to send your son, Jesus, to pay a debt that we could not pay. And Father, we thank you that although we are not perfect, Jesus was perfect for us. And God, we pray that you would help us all to put our rest and our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Father, I pray today that you'd speak in power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to listen to this as as, as we kind of explain a little bit more this passage of Scripture. If you read... I mean, if you read the Bible very long or if you've been in church very long, there's a couple things that you're going to figure out. Number one, Jesus absolutely shook up the world. Amen. I mean, everywhere he went, there were people that believed and there were also people that hated, right? There were people that did not like his message. Now, let me say this to you. And I'm going I'm to pause and say this. Even about this church and every other church that I've ever been into and probably every church that you'll ever enter into, you can present the gospel message and there will always, inevitably, always be people that will choose to trust and believe that or hate it. Even in the midst of this church, there'll be people this morning that will not like the message that they hear. It's just the way it happens because Jesus, when he comes, he speaks truth and sometimes truth comforts, but also sometimes truth cuts like a knife. And so, so that's what's happening. Jesus is going around. But here's what's so glorious. When Jesus begins to save people, they began to go share the same story that Jesus is sharing, which is about himself, and they begin to do the same thing. People begin to believe in Jesus or they get ticked off, they get mad, and they get upset. And so the Bible says here that they get upset and they go looking for Paul and his friends who are preaching Jesus. Well, they go to this guy by the name of Jason's house, who obviously is a friend of Paul's. They don't find Paul and them, and so they drag Jason and him out the house. And here's what they said that was absolutely stunning, and it should be the testimony of every Christian. They said this, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. That should be the testimony of every believer in Jesus Christ is that we are turning the world upside down for the sake of the gospel. Amen? Now, that's the way we ought to live our lives. But can I say this to you? As much as that is true, that doesn't happen much in the culture and society that we live in. Not a lot of Christians are turning the world upside down. And the reason why is because we are living our lives being less than what God says we are. 
Uh, we, we have, we as Christians, many times we try to live our lives in such a way not to be totally abandoned to self, totally abandoned to the world, and just dedicated to Christ and Him alone. But we want to be dedicated to Christ some, and yet still have some world too. And listen to me. If you live like that, you're never going to turn the world upside down. You're going to blend in with it. And so I want to say this to you this morning. I want you to hear me. Because the Bible says that if we're, it teaches that if we're ever going to truly make a difference in this world, we have to begin to live our lives being who Jesus says we are. So, so I want to show you this morning from Scripture, many passages, who Jesus says we are, right? Now, not who we are without Jesus. Who we are without Jesus is sorry and no good, right? Now, see, somebody don't like that. But I don't care. That's the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts, right? But the glorious thing about that truth is, which is the bad news... You take the good news, which is Jesus dying for those sorry, no good for nothing people. And when they trust Him and by faith, He turns them into righteousness because He is righteousness. And that's good news. Amen? So, there you go. I gave you a little good news. Right? Alright. So let me show you what the Bible says that we are. First, the Bible says in Jesus Christ, we are chosen people. We're a chosen group of people. We are a set apart people, a special people in the eyes of God. Listen to this. 1 Peter 2.9 says this. But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. Now let me, let me, let me, just, let me just throw this out there. Purple is the color of royalty. And so he says, you are a translation, you are a purple nation. You are a purple priesthood. Amen? Okay, alright, oh me, that's not really in scripture, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Listen to this, his own special people. Now listen, why we are His own special people? That you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And so God says through His Word that we are chosen, we are special individuals, not because of our goodness, but because of the goodness and the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ in coming to us and calling us to Himself and saving us. And so now we are a chosen people and we are to live our lives proclaiming the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Amen? So, so the Bible says, now listen, I want to say this to I want to go and get this. I want to be clear. If you're going to clap, you clap. Don't hesitate. Amen? Don't hesitate. If you, Jesus stirs you and you're going to clap, don't clap. Don't. And then nobody else, just go on and clap, amen. Go on and clap. I just want you to know, just go on and do it. Brother George won't get mad. He won't get mad. We are special. Let me show you how we're special. We're chosen people, special people. We are a part of God in such a way that not even the angels can say. We, we are the redeemed. The angels cannot say that. We are those who Jesus Christ purchased by His blood. Nobody else is ever going to be able to say that except the redeemed of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that the redeemed of the Lord Jesus Christ ought to say so. Amen? Matter of fact, Revelation chapter 5 teaches that those who are redeemed have a song that not even the angels can sing. Amen? 
One of these days we're going to be able to stand up in heaven and those angels that are flying around the throne room of God and they're singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Someday you and I, those who've been washed in the blood, we're going to be able to step up to the mic and say, Back up angels, back up created beings because it's our turn and we're going to sing a song that they cannot sing. The song of the redeemed. Why is that? Because of Christ. Because of what Jesus has done for us. Not because of our beautiful voices. Not because of our good looks. Not because, not because of any of that stuff. But because Jesus has chosen us to be His special people. Amen? Not only are we special and we're part of God in such a way that angels can't say, but we're also co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Listen to this verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You want to know if you're a child of God? The Spirit of God will tell you. The Spirit of God will let you know. Listen to me. I want want you to hear this real clear. The Spirit of God is not trying to hide from you whether you belong to Jesus or not. No, I'm not going to tell him today if he belongs to Jesus or not. I'm not going to. He's not going to do that. He wants you to know. Why? Because he wants you to proclaim the glorious riches of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he's called you out of darkness into the light. So he's not going to hide it from you. He's not playing hide and go seek with your salvation. Right? So if you don't know and you're going, I don't know, I just can't figure it out. I don't. He's not hiding it, so there must be a problem. He's not hiding it. So so listen to this. He says, the Spirit will bear witness that we're children of God. And if we're children of God, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. And I'm going to like, I like that. I'm going to tell you right now, because my folks are poor and I ain't getting nothing when they pass pass on. Amen? I'm not getting anything. Uh, Best thing I'm going to get when I pass on is when Dee Dee's mom and daddy pass on. And I might get a fishing camp and stuff. And then we got to share that with Darren. But, but... Uh, look, this right here says I'm an heir, man. And not only am I an heir, I'm an heir of God. In other words, all things God, that's mine too because of what Jesus has done for me. Right? Yeah. So, so we are special. We are heirs of God. But we're even more special than that because the Bible says not only are we heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus, but we are also ambassadors for Christ. Well, that's another royal term. That's a, no, that's a person who speaks for someone of power and someone of authority. And so the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You and I, if we are Christians, we are spokespersons for the Lord God Almighty. Not just the preacher. But anyone who is saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ is an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have the ministry of reconciliation. Which means you've been reconciled by Jesus. And so therefore you tell others how they can be reconciled by Jesus Christ. And so we are ambassadors. Listen listen to what I'm saying. We are special. We are unique spokesmen. Nobody can say that. We're spokesmen for God. And we cannot let the world convince us to be less than that. If you, can, if you let the world convince you to be less than that, that is a sin before Almighty God. Now listen to me. It's not that we're going to be that. We are that. We are already 
ambassadors for Jesus Christ. When He saves us and sets us free, we are spokespersons of Jesus Christ. Now let me, let me, just, let me just come on over here to this section right over here to all these young people. Because I want you to grab a hold of this. Alright? You, you're not a spokesperson for Jesus when you get to be an adult. You're one now. You are a spokesperson for Christ now. Those kids who are here that you gave your life to Jesus Christ at camp this week. Listen to me. Immediately when you trusted Christ, you became a spokesperson for Jesus Christ. You became an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Now, if, if you're not taking that, you're letting the world keep you from sharing Christ, that's a sin before God and you're living less than who God says you are. Right? So, we are special people. But not only are we special people, secondly, we are a powerful people. We're a powerful people. Now, don't let that go to your head. But we are a powerful group of people because Christ has made us powerful. Listen to this. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Here's what he says. Jesus says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses... To me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so that passage is very clear that when we get saved, Christ puts His Spirit inside of us. And the purpose for the Spirit is to empower us to be His witnesses. Right? It's to give us strength and courage that we might not fear, but that we might go out boldly proclaiming the truth of God's Word. So He empowers us by His Spirit that we might be His witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. In other words, what that means is, number one, in your house, in your town, in your state, in your world. That's what it means. You are to be a witness anywhere and everywhere you go. You are to be a witness to Christ. Not ought to be. You are a witness for Christ, so you need to start living like that. Right? Listen to this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, so here's what we don't do, guys. We don't, we don't gloat in the power He's given us, and so therefore we bust folks over the head with the Bible. You know what I'm saying? We don't do that. We don't walk around, hey man, I just want to tell you, I got the power of God living in me. Wow, you need some of that. We don't, we don't do that. Right? I mean, we really, I mean, I know sometimes you want to. But you don't do that, right? Because not only has He given us a spirit of power, but He's also given us a spirit of love and sound mind. <laughs> Look at me. Those of you who are saved by the power of the Spirit of God, that crazy stuff don't go. You don't have that excuse. Because the Bible says the Spirit of God, the, 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 the Jesus gives us a spirit of love, power, and sound mind. That's who we are in Jesus Christ. If you choose to live less than that, that's your problem. That's not His problem. Because He says, I've given you a spirit that is an overcomer of all things. You have the power inside of you to love and to make a difference and to have a sound mind. Which means if you have a sound mind, you make good judgment calls. Right? Which means, listen now, I'm all up on somebody's feet right now. Which means, you know when to say yes and when to say no. Which means, look, which means even though you have freedom sometimes, you know when to say yes and when to say no. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. 
When I travel sometimes, if my wife is not with me or what have you, and I don't take our RV, sometimes I stay in hotel rooms. All right? The hotel rooms have TVs in them. Now, as I'm in the room and I have the TV, there is a lot of freedom there. But it takes more self-control. You got me? I could watch anything I want to. I have freedom to watch anything I want to. But more self-control is needed to say no to the trash. And the reason I can do that... And the reason I can do that, the reason you can do that, is because Christ has given us a spirit of sound mind. To be able to say yes when it should be yes, and no when it should be no. Now listen, if you're not making those decisions, then you're living less than who Christ says you are, which means you're quenching His Holy Spirit. Right? Now that wasn't part of the sermon, but I just threw it out there for somebody. Acts chapter 3, listen to this. We, we see a great illustration of the power of the Spirit of God when Peter and John encounter a lame man. You remember that? They oftentimes would set out the gate and they would beg, you know, for food and stuff and money. And they come and they're begging them for money. And they say, hey man, we don't have any silver, we don't have no gold, but what we do have, we'll give it to you. So rise up and walk. Boom, just like that. He got up and started walking. Man, I mean, just an absolute Jesus deal. And people began to run over and start worshiping, bowing down at the feet of Peter and John. And they said, hey, why do you marvel at us like it was us that done that? It was God who did it, not us. So here's what we got to realize. Everybody with me, say amen. amen. You better make certain that the power that God has given you through His Spirit, you better make certain that you redirect the praise back to Him. You better make certain that you don't get comfortable in that power and, and to the point to where you start claiming that power and it becomes about you instead of about Him. See, very easy they could have said, that's right, we have the power of the Spirit of God in us and that's who we are, that's what we do, son. But they said, it's not us. Even though it was us, it's not us, it's Him. It's Him. Now, that goes for every preacher, every teacher, every person, every singer. You better redirect the praise for the power that God has given you. Why? Because that's who we are. We have humility, sound mind, love. We redirect the praise. Listen to this statement. The most powerful entity heaven and earth has ever known is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Most powerful persons that anybody has ever even heard of or will ever hear of. Right? Now listen to this. The second most powerful person that heaven and earth has ever known is the person whom that God lives inside of. Right? Y'all act like you don't believe that. It's true. We've got the Spirit of the living God inside of us. And He said, I'm giving you power. We just have to make sure that we're walking in this power. Amen? Sometimes walking in the power of God. Listen to me. I want you to grab this. Sometimes walking in the power of the Spirit of God means opening the door to the furnace and stepping in. But that's not the way we want to see it. Is it? We want to see it the other way. We want to see open the door to the bank and grab all the money. That's what we want to see. But sometimes walking in the power of the Spirit of God means going in a place that may cause you harm. It's, it's true. You literally read the Bible. And if you can't believe that, you don't believe the Bible. 
Because he led many people to some dangerous situations. But they were being led by the power of the Spirit of God. So we are a powerful group of people. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Third, third, we are not only powerful, but we are victorious. Ooh, I love that. I'm one of those people. Now, I don't play sports much anymore. Now, here's why. Because if I'm playing a bunch of teenagers, I'm going to win. I'm going to be victorious. Amen? I'm going to be victorious. Somehow. Listen, if I'm not victorious, Ethan, it's because I broke my legs, son. I'm trying to be victorious. I mean, I'm telling you, I want to win, don't you? Yeah, the rest of you liars and the truth ain't in you. Amen? You, everybody wants to win. We all want to be winners. You know how it is. You, you, so bet you have to fight the urge sometimes when you're playing with your children. You're playing checkers with your children. And you, you want to win so bad. And you fight the urge. And you say, I'm going to let them win. I'm going to let them win. But you so want to win, you barely let them win. Am I telling the truth? You know how it is. You, yeah, you dads, you playing basketball with your kid, you're going to 10, you get 9 before you let him score 1, and then you let him get 9 more and beat you. We all want to be victorious. Well, I got good news for you. You may lose the football game or the baseball game or whatever, and I know y'all used to that, but listen to me. I could not help it. <laughs> In Jesus Christ, you're victorious, Hog fans. You're victorious. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Take your Bible and turn to Romans. Some of y'all repent right now. I was joking. Maybe I ought to repent. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Romans chapter 8. I want to show you that we're victorious. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. One of the greatest scriptures in all the Bible. Listen to this. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Is that not good? I mean, that's great, man. It's like, hey, wait a second. The creator of all things, the one who has the power over all things, he's on my side. It's like, that's awesome. That's like, wow. That's the best word I got in Crowville language. Wow. Then he goes on to say this. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Listen to this. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, and he also makes intercession for us. In other words, here's what he's saying. Ultimately, everybody's going to stand before Jesus Christ, the great judge, and he's going to be the one that's going to declare people lost or saved. And if we are in him and we belong to him, and he's the one that says saved or lost, then who can come against us because he's on our side? If he's the one that casts people into a lake of fire and he's the one that escorts people into heaven and we belong to him, then what should we fear? Nothing. Nothing. Nobody can come against us. You say, well, I don't know. I read the Bible where they got killed a lot of people. You just don't really understand what he means. This life, folks, is not it. This is not what it's all about. It's some of you right now, you, you, the reason you can't enjoy Christianity and you can't enjoy Jesus is because you're too busy trying to be happy now. 
You're so caught up in worldliness. It's always got to be a better car, bigger house, blah, 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 blah. And God's sitting here saying to us, this is not what it's all about. This is not. And here's what he's saying. I'm going to build you a stinking mansion and I'm the interior decorator. Just rest in that. It's not about it's not about the here and the now. It's not about instant happiness. I know, listen, I know we're American, we've been so blessed, and it has almost flat out ruined us. It has. Now we, I love the blessings and I love the freedom. But I'm telling you, our wealth has just about ruined us. The truth of the matter is this that many churches and if you don't believe me, I'm just going to throw a plug. You go buy that little book back there that I wrote and you'll see that Christians are hopping up and down about all the stuff that's happening outside the church that's, that's hating on the church and trying to destroy the church when we better be careful that what's really going on is we're destroying ourselves from the inside. Better be careful that we don't get so locked on this world that we forget it's not about this world. It's about Christ. I saw someone say yesterday, it was a post by one of the famous preachers, I don't even remember who it was, but they said, don't focus on what God may do, focus on what He's done for you. And I thought to myself, no, see that's not even it. That sounds good. Focus, don't focus on what's coming, focus on what God has blessed you with in the past. That's not even true. Focus on God, period. That's it. That's it. Just focus on Him and Him alone. If He gives you good, praise God. If He gives you bad, praise God. And you can do that because you're focusing on Him. I'm just saying, it's, it's a lot of things sound good but are not really correct. He says, uh, he says this, He said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, there it is. So getting beat down in the middle of the street separate you from Jesus? No. Shall tribulations or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. I love that because he says shall something separate us from God and then he reminds them oh we've been killed all the time for God. And then he goes right in the next verse and he says yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. They're like, we're dropping like flies out here, God. But in the midst of all this death, we're more than conquerors through Jesus who loves us. Let me explain to you what more than a conqueror is. It's the best illustration ever heard. I'll use it in just case you heard it. I'll use it again. There was this fighter, boxer. It's almost like a Rocky movie. Heavyweight champion comes to town, wants to fight this bum. The bomb says, oh man, if I can just, if I can just get to the end of the match with him, man, it'll be great. If I could win, that'll be awesome. So they get in this match and they're fighting and then they're going toe to toe. I'm talking about it's just a slugfest. And they get to the end of the match and they have to call the fight. Nobody really won by knockout and they call the fight. And the bomb wins. He wins. Is that not Rocky Balboa? I mean, that's like a Rocky movie all, all over. And so he's standing there like this and they come out and they bring him that big old check with all them zeros on it. He takes that check and he's taking his mug shot, got blood all in. He's like excited, man. He's a conqueror. He's done beat the champion. Well, then he takes that check home and he hands it to his wife. And she's more than a conqueror. But let me tell you why. Because he fought the battle. She got the prize. We're more than conquerors because Jesus fought the battle. And we get the prize. Amen. We get the prize. 
He paid the price and fought on the cross and gave His life. But you and I get eternal life because of that. And we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and strengthens us. And so He says, I am persuaded. Now this is Paul saying, I'm telling you, I believe this with every fiber of my being. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, things to come, nor depth, nor height, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a glorious verse. Nothing can overcome us. You are more than a conqueror. You know why? Because Jesus said you were. Jesus said this is who you are. See, the truth is that some of you today, you struggle with arrogance. You struggle maybe with pride. You may be struggling with depression. You, you may be struggling with acceptance. You may be struggling whether you feel pretty or ugly or whatever. And you're killing yourself trying to fix all that. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, here's what He wants you to know. You're already a conqueror over all that. Because of Jesus who gave you strength. Do you know this? Jesus is the one who declares people pretty. Not anybody else. Because I want to tell you something. You can have the prettiest face and have the ugliest heart. Ugly heart. And you can have the ugliest face and the most beautiful heart than any man has ever seen. And let me tell you who determines that. Jesus. You, you, no one in the world may accept you. But Jesus says through here, He says, I'm really the only one that matters. And I accept you. Why? Because I've washed you in my blood. And you belong to me. And I have made you beautiful, acceptable, and more than a conqueror. That's who we are in Christ. But so many of us are not living that way. Let me give you one final thing that Jesus says that we are in Christ. This is glorious. He says, we're His. We are His. There's something about things belonging to you. Is it not? Something being yours. Having possession of something. See, we get so caught up sometimes in possessing God that we forget the major emphasis should be that He possesses us. We are His. Right? Listen to this verse. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. That word bestowed right there means lavished. It means to give freely. When I think about that word bestowed, here's what I think about. I think about that lady who no one else wanted to have anything to do with except Jesus had something to do with her and she broke open that alabaster box of fragrant oil and she lavished it on the Lord Jesus Christ. She showed her love to the Lord Jesus Christ by pouring that expensive perfume out all over the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says this, that through Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross for us, for wicked sinners, just to remind you, the Bible says that Jesus came to die for sinners, not righteous people. So He came to die for you while you were all messed up in your sin. And when He died on that cross and He was broken there and He was spilling His blood, that was God's way of lavishing His love upon you and I. He poured it out. He poured all... Listen, here's a great way to say it. He poured all of Jesus out upon us. 
And here we are. So many of us walking around defeated as victors. You know, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure if Mississippi State wins the College World Series, I'm pretty sure that when they walk off that field that day, I'm pretty sure the first thing they're going to do, they're going to throw their hands in the air and scream. Then they're going to dogpile the pitcher if he's the last one on the, on the field. They're going to dogpile. They're going to jump up. They're going to be hugging. Grown men. Well, I say grown men. They're young, young men, 20s, 22, 23, 24. They'll be crying. Tears of joy, they'll be crying that. They'll all want to put their hands on that trophy. They'll all want to have a picture with the trophy. Probably after it's all over, they'll stand there, each one of them individually with that World Series trophy, and they'll sit there and they'll be smiling with it. And I guarantee you, none of them will walk away having won the game going, God, ridiculous. Can't believe we won. Nobody will do that. Why? Because victors don't walk that way. Victors, victors walk with a little, they walk with a little swag. Man, they walk with their head held high because they know they've won the game. And it's even greater for the Christian because they walk with their head held high, walking in faith, walking in trust, walking in hope, walking in victory, and they didn't even play the game. Jesus played the game. And Jesus won the victory for us. Amen. Which means for you today, you don't have to play this game called trying to be good enough to be saved. Jesus already played that game. And He was perfect. And He died as you on the cross. And He died for you on the cross. And so you can stop trying to play that game and just put your faith and your trust in Him who has already won that game and given you access to be victorious. But it's not going to come unless you repent. Turn from doing that, living that way. Turn from yourself basically in your sin and turn toward Jesus Christ in faith and just give your all to Him. When you do that, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'll close with a story. I, I, my sister, I, I was saved when I was 20. Went into the ministry when I was 22. And from the time I was 20, I've been talking to my family off and on about salvation, about Jesus. Throwing those plugs in there, you know. And uh, here, oh, I don't know, four or five months ago, one of my sisters, who all of her life said, I, I believe in Jesus. I, I, know, I remember going to church with Grandma on vacation Bible school when I was a kid and we walked down the aisle and we got baptized. I remember all that. I, was, I remember all that. I know I believe Jesus. All these years. But I could see her life. And her life didn't match up with what the Scripture says a Christian looks like. Can I, can I tell you something? They do have to match. Somewhere in America, we invented that they don't. But they do. So I'm looking and I'm going, you care nothing about Jesus' word. You care nothing about his church. You care nothing about his people. You care nothing about lost people. You care nothing about dying to yourself and living for him. You care nothing about that. You're not a Christian. And so I'm, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just sharing Jesus with her. Lovingly, but sharing Jesus with her. Well, here a while back, some crazy stuff was happening in their life. Really demonic things. 
And so she began to get stirred by God through all of that. She began to call my wife and I and began to ask them those questions. And just really just, just, she's just seeking. So we began to ask answer questions the best we could and stuff and then we're just praying for her her and her husband her whole family and we're praying for them and then one day I'm in uh, Winona, Mississippi and preaching a youth camp there our youth disciple now and I'm driving around with a youth pastor in a truck and I'm telling him about my sister and how God's working on her and all of a sudden I get a phone call and I look it's my sister so I said hey there she is right now so I answered the phone call, and here's what the other side of the phone call sounded like. I can't wait till Sunday. I can't wait till Sunday. i got to get saved right now. That's what it sounded like. So I began to talk to her and tell her what salvation is, because I want her to truly understand what it means. You're saying, I'm giving up myself to live for Christ. That's what salvation is. And so she said, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. So she gets saved. First, first Wednesday after she gets saved. Now in our church, hardly anybody comes on Wednesday. We might have 25 adults maybe on Wednesday night. We all sit about six, seven, eight to the back of the church. You know, nobody close to the preacher. My sister walks in, walks down the aisle with a notebook, a pen, and a Bible, sits on the front row, right in front of the preacher, writing down stuff that he's saying. I'm like, who does that anymore? But a person who is exactly where they should be with the Lord. Brand spanking new, fresh. She should, look, now, listen, I'm telling you now, they hardly ever come to my house because church people made them nervous. Now when they come, they won't leave. Ask my wife. They won't leave. We, they, they won't leave. And they, all they want to do is talk about Jesus. All they want to do... My, my, my brother-in-law works, he works uh, on pipelines. So he has to travel and they go to get, she goes, she says, I need to be there to support him. I need to be his rock. And we need to, she read the Bible to him every night. I mean, just to, I mean, they go to laundromats and leave tracks by the toilet and all kinds of Bibles by the toilet and everything. I mean, she, I'm telling you, man, she's a fanatic. So they come home one day and we just got home from a trip. I mean, we just pulled up, man. We ain't been home an hour. Um, we hear their truck. Um. I, told, I had one of them weak moments. I told my wife, I said, oh, man, they're going to keep us up all night. I just want to rest. So they come in. We talked to them for four or five hours. I don't know how long it was. And before they leave, they never said that. Now, you have to know my family. My family is not a, we're not a real tight-knit bunch of people. We don't hate each other, but we just don't, we're not the, um, I love you, I'll see you tomorrow, I love you. We, we just hardly don't do that. I mean, I do that to my wife, because you know I love my wife. But anyway, um, we just don't do that. So, they get ready to leave that night, and they're walking out the door, and my brother-in-law who is as rough as a cob, son. Now, he don't got saved, but he's, he, he's been rough. He's been, he's been alcoholic, drug addict, all of the above, son. Crazy. And then he's walking out and he said, well, we're going to be gone for a couple of days. We want y'all to know we love y'all. We'll see y'all when we get back. And I was like, well, we, well, we love y'all too. Hey, I'm serious. Jesus changes everything. He changes everything. And if you want Him to change you today, if you're lost and you want Him to change you, 
He can. He can and He will. But He's not going to change His standard for anyone. His standard is this. He died. Jesus died on the cross to save you. But you must repent and come to Him. And give yourself to Him. And trust Him by faith. And He will save you. And I guarantee you, if you truly get saved, He will change you. He will change you for the glorious gospel. And it is amazing. The rest of you who are already saved, we need not walk being less than who God says we are. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for loving us the way that You do. Father, we we cannot do enough to please You But we don't have to because Jesus pleased you for us when he went to the cross. And God, I pray that you'd help us as Christians to walk in the truth of who we are. Father, help us to live our lives for your glory and your honor. Father, I pray for those who are here this morning who are struggling with all kind of situations in their life. I pray that you would help them to know that as Christians they are more than conquerors over all of that. I pray, God, that you'd help everyone in here this morning to know that they are beautiful in the sight of Almighty God. Father, I pray that you'd help all of us this morning understand what real forgiveness is. It's what Jesus did on the cross, and may we duplicate it. Father, I pray this morning that you be glorified during this invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask Brother Doug. He's going to be up here. Some other men will be here to receive you if you'd like to be saved. I want you to listen. If you're here this morning, whether you're a man, woman, boy, or girl, and you say, Brother Casey, this morning, I believe God is speaking to me, and this morning I want to turn from my sin, and I want to trust Jesus to be my Lord, my Savior, and my Master. If that's your heart's cry this morning, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to slip up out of your seat right now, and I want you to come right over here to where Brother Doug is, and just say, Brother Doug, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to trust Him. I want to be saved this morning. Anybody in here like that, I want you to slip up right now. I want you to just come down here to where Brother Doug is. Anybody. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to procrastinate and drag it out. Your salvation is just that. It's your salvation. It's not mine. I've already got mine. It's for you. The rest of you. How many of you would say this? Brother Casey, this morning God has stirred my heart to live the high calling that He has placed on my life. And this morning, I just need to repent of some things and begin to walk in being who Christ said that I am. How many of you say that this morning? Anybody in here say that this morning? All right. Well, today, the altars are going to be open for you to come, to pray, to get along with Jesus. If you need to be saved, Brother Doug, then we'll be over here. You just stand to your feet right now, everybody. Heads bowed, eyes closed as they sing for us. The altars are open for you to come. Brother Doug, then we'll be here. You come and give your life to Jesus. Come on. Live who Christ said you are. Everyone needs compassion. A love that's never failing. Let